Hello, can you hear me? Thank you, booty. Was your audio not coming through before? Yeah, I could hear y'all, but um, uh, my bad, man. My audio apparently was not being projected. Oh, no worries. All right, so we'll wait for Sigma to get back in. Roger that. I sent... Spank your booty. There we go. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know what the topic should be because I don't know what Sigma Sigma wants to talk about. We should let we should let Sigma semi steer it, and then uh, in the end we'll do uh, we'll talk about this PDS. I think. Gotcha. I got a couple of talking points from Scott also. Sweet. Okay. Now does he want does he want you to say his name? I don't know if I want you to say even Scott. You might just make like an alias or just say some guy. All right. Hi. Right. What's up, guys? What's you... up? What is up? My audio is uh... coming through. My bad. Yeah, you had to reset. All right. We have uh, some information uh, that some guy is interested in hearing. Um, a reading recommended reading list on uh, books, items that we should buy each trip to the store, storage caches, yes or no. And how to find and create group channels for info or items. Those are fucking great questions. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, uh, I guess reading material for survival or reading material in general. For it's not specified. I see. Not specified. I guess. I he, figured... he didn't specify it, did he? No, Cliff? no specification. Well, then I would. General. I would say you might want to read uh, Saul Linsky's Rules for Radicals, <laughs> if you haven't already. No. What's that about? It's basically uh, how to subvert Western civilization. It's kind of what's happened to put us uh, where we are right now, I would say. Helped get us there. Definitely. <laughs> it's classic. And that's like required reading in a lot of colleges, at least when I was in college. And I, I thought that was helpful because like it like you make your enemy fight according to his rules while well, you get to break them. You turn him into a hypocrite. It's uh it's really and then uh anything on the weather underground, because uh weather underground, that's where uh Susan Rosenberg, who's heavily involved with uh the current Antifa BLM people, is and uh those were upper middle class uh, terrorists from the seventies. I mean, we say upper middle class, but really they were they were Jewish. Many of them. Do you, you say you say uh, middle class? I don't think they're middle class. I think I they were upper middle like... class. Like they were always described as professionals. At least whenever I had a I had a course where we talked about the weather underground. I had a a course at a. A college called the Politics and Psychology of Terrorism. It had two professors, and eight of us basically wrote presentations on on our selected terrorist group, and they kind of gave us a one hundred and one over the psychological conditioning and all the different things you needed to have to make one and how to analyze them. And the Weather Underground was one I almost picked to do my work on, but I kind of wish I did more study on it because it would have been more relevant now. Because uh, well, who'd you pick? What'd you pick? Oh, I had picked Hezbollah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not terribly relevant to our current circumstances. 
The uh, I would describe them as uh, outside of the construction of class. That's how I describe them. Like class is a real thing that is imposed on people, mm-hmm. you know, like constructed in society, and they're outside of that. So you you so think would, that the even though that Susan let, let's just use Susan Rosenberg as an example, she was arrested carrying explosives in the eighties. Uh, yeah. large amount. I can't remember how much, but it was significant. Four, four, 400 something pounds, I think. Okay. This is, this is the one that uh, was leading the Black Lives uh, Matters movement. Or well, She's, she's in the, uh, uh, I think, the finance board of Antifa, but having a blooded senior terrorist who's been active for decades, who spent almost 20 years in jail, who was pardoned by Bill Clinton, just before he left yeah. office, which that's that's the big one. That's the exclamation yeah, mark. She's mad. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, um, she's had ties to both Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and DSA, which are essentially all the same. What's thing. DSA? Uh, DSA Force of America. Oh, okay. Yeah, DSA cool. is is uh, is like the actual Antifa. I see. Like DSA DSA is the NGO that is the closest. Uh, framework to Antifa. You know what I mean? So like Antifa is a uh, kind of an ethereal name given to the operation. So like when they're deploying into cities and uh, recruiting locals, that is, then it is Antifa and it becomes intermixed with people that are there operating out of their uh, passion prior to showing. Hmm. It just it's something that just came to mind because, you know, Sigma was so involved with that open source investigation we ran for. And we may even want to go back and do an introduction yet. Um, DSA is who we were looking for, yet we didn't find during that open source investigation. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and they're called DSA again. I, I, I just yeah, not it's, heard so of it's, What's that stand it's for a, it's again? A, is Democratic Socialists of America. They're all over the United States. So I did a, uh, uh, like an overlay taking all of the, so if you, if you find an image, like you can find in the MSM, you can find images of, uh, from news stories where they're like, here's all the cities that riots have taken place in, um, you know, in 2020. And they'll map them out by, you know, a circle dot. And if you take that and if you use, uh, you know, you use any kind of uh, editing software and then you take another image, which would be all the DSA locations, mm-hmm. which there, there are maps out there. If you overlay them and then size, like scale them the same so the borders of the United States and the state uh, lines all line up, mm-hmm. they're identical. They're oh, absolutely wow. identical. Yeah. Yeah. So and they're also... They're also... Um, I think that they were really going through a campaign of, uh, you know, winning hearts and minds, because if you go on their website, uh, they have uh, there are seven in my area and they're paying the mortgages, rents and past due bills of um, any people that reach out and ask for help. And they're asking for volunteers in return. And it's. Yeah, it's kind of a wait. Is that a volunteer they secure, or 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 are they just you know paying your rent and just they're hoping bribing. you'll volunteer? Yeah, they're bri- they're bribing. It's... They're pulling. They're pulling community uh, interaction. You know. Okay. 
All right. So it's 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 virtually it's virtually the same mo uh, as like modern military strategy. Yeah, yeah. They're running coin except here. They're doing yeah. their outreach, even though we're not the insurgents. They're the insurgents, but they're they're building up their public support. Yeah, and they're fucking huge. They had their their parent organization is the Socialist International, which has had leadership from um, the prior chancellor of Germany has been a uh, on their leadership board. The uh, um, I mean, you've had like uh, prime ministers of France on their leadership board. They're huge. They're fucking huge. And they've been around since the Socialist International has been around for like since the 50s. The uh, DSA has been around since the 80s. And uh, Rosenberg, Rosenberg is is mostly affiliated with BLM. And her prior affiliation before that is uh, BLA, which is Black Liberation Army. And that would be the, um, that, that is like the failed, it's always the same, right? Because it's like, you know, it's like the uh, it's like the uh, League of Nations. How the League of Nations came around and then it failed because of uh, like critical errors, like in the planning and execution, and didn't have the desirable effect. So like like the League of Nations in World War One, after Germany got spanked, they rolled out League of Nations and uh, fourteen points plan, and then uh, that that's through Wilson. And basically, what happened was because of the you know, the people in the United States and the people in Europe didn't want to go as hard as the people who wanted it to happen as, as far as they wanted it to go. So like League of Nations failed. They didn't get all the members that they wanted. Their punishment plan for Germany wasn't exacting enough. And so that failed. And so they had to roll around again. Well, well as, like I understood, thing. as I understood it, when, when Woodrow Wilson composed his version of the Treaty of Versailles, which ended World War One, he was going to be a lot less punitive towards the Germans. And yeah, then, no, yeah. And they then were the gonna, Europeans they were basically poured, poured on the sauce and fucked the Germans up, which basically set up the situation that brought us Hitler. And like, yeah, in the context that's around precisely. Them. Yeah. That's precisely correct. They, they didn't even get, they didn't get as far as they wanted. Like the, the, uh, the, the penalties were not extreme enough. They were, they were pretty fucking extreme, even with, uh, Wilson stuff like the 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 disarmament and the uh, reparations payment and the occupation were pretty extreme and uh, like French occupation and uh, anyway that's that's the whole it, it's so analogous is why I bring it up because it's like the BLA is practically identical to the BLM so BLA it's a slightly different form because in the 1970s things are a little bit different. There's nowhere to come from, right? They have like a civil rights movement in terms of uh, identity of this whole package of like what the people think about it because the whole point is the population, like how they think about it and respond, right? They didn't have like, their only background was a civil rights movement. And so they made it like way too militant and over the line, it was like direct action shit where they're going around fucking like robbing armored cars and fucking like assassinating people and shit, you know, killing police officers. This is all. Yeah, didn't, for. didn't that girl Susan? I'm sorry, I forgot her last name. Susan, uh, the one that was Rosenberg. caught with, yeah, the one that was caught with all those explosives. Didn't she murder a police officer? No, she. So, a bunch of black guys 
killed some cops. They killed they killed some uh, security guards. Okay. Maybe I'm the uh, they they it was an armored it was an armored car heist mm-hmm. that had a homicide in it. And then what happened was the police in the AO they had been dealing with this stuff with this um, the BLA which they knew through investigation they knew that it wasn't you know they knew that it just wasn't this thing that just popped up organically out of fucking nowhere like they they realized how how they had access to special equipment and like you know just always had money to to execute the operations they knew that it wasn't you know it's it's different it's not the same as like gang violence or something like that and so they study it for a long time and then when they get this armored heart heist um armored car heist with the dead uh like uh police and shit then they go into like okay we know it was like a, it's almost like the mafia like they know who it is they can't touch them so then what happened was they pulled you know they surveilled all these people figured out it's rosenberg they surveilled rosenberg and then they just wait until they can get her for something so they get her for the explosives because they're figuring she, she was supposed to go to jail for life for this because it's like, you know, the background story is the cops getting murdered. She's got the machine guns and the uh, explosives. So she gets pinched with that. And it's, just, and it's in, in like a uh, conspiracy to commit a crime. So it's supposed to be, you know, life in prison. Well, she only does 20 years. So that's where she I get did into, 20 years because like, she's pardoned by Bill Clinton. That's important to remember. Right. Jeez. Right. Not only was she, not only was she pardoned by Bill Clinton, when she got out, within a week, she was uh, appointed to the head of a national NGO with full salary. Yeah. And that was her new job. And then she transitioned from that into creating Black Lives Matter. Now, is she, is she actually coming up with a theory of Black Lives Matter? That I don't know. I can't tell you that. But what? It, most likely not. Most likely somebody else comes up with the design of all this stuff. She's just implementing it. You know what I'm saying? So then she comes out with Black Lives Matter. And then now where we're at is that Black Lives Matter has diffused into the population to where they're trying to tie into actual, you know, American blacks to have them completely uh, internalize this uh, creation and actualize it. Before it's all fake. There's no, you know, like the people that are actually running it aren't black. And then they start making enough, you know, making enough problems, getting enough uh, notoriety, and then they recruit. And then they get local people, you know, that are being brainwashed by the schools, and they mistake, you know, they assume it's organic. They become a part of it. That's where we're at. Now, gentlemen, help me with this, because it's uh, we're seeing uh, from our analytics that uh, we are likely, um, you know, bringing on first-time listeners that really – um, you know, wouldn't necessarily be like followers of Dugan stream or, you know, uh, things like that. So tell me whether it's Dugan or, or Sigma or, or light. Um, why would, why would that be important about, uh, you know, Bill Clinton being the one to uh, pass that pardon for someone that just has no idea what they're on the outside looking in. Yeah. I think it's pretty yeah. straightforward. Sigma. Uh, the, you know, the fact that, a a high elected official, president of the United States, decides to, on his way out after serving eight years, decides to just pardon a woman caught with a large amount of explosives involved in violence against police. And and really, the, the Weather Underground had burned the Capitol building. The only reason a lot of them didn't go to prison is 
Weather Underground was rather infamous for having accidents while they were trying to build bombs. And when they did bomb something, well, by luck, nobody died. Because, like, I think one bomb was left in the women's restroom of the Capitol, like the con Congress building. <laughs> and uh, nobody died. Um, and, it, it, and, and a lot of these people went to jail. Bernadine Dorn, uh, Solinsky, um, no, Bill Ayers, Bayer, Bill Ayers, Bernadine Dorn. The, and the Bill Ayers was very close to uh, Barack Obama. He hangs out in Chicago. And all these guys together have, have directly undermined the country. They're very close, tied in together. And, and interesting enough, uh, Clinton's here. He is covered for him on the way out. That's a huge deal to have the head of state bail yeah. somebody out that's a terrorist. Last, last day in office. Yeah, it's very interesting because the Clintons have been uh, synonymous with if you have information or dirt on them, you somehow commit suicide. I mean, he was all over those Jeffrey Epstein uh, flight logs and, you know, stuff of that nature. And nothing nothing ever seems to come of any of these things. When and I think these guys have got a no, huge amount of money still, still. Like, so Bill Clinton cut his teeth when he was governor of Arkansas. And from what I understand, he was basically the guy that laundered because by signing certain types of documents, I'm not an expert, but this is the synopsis of what I can remember. And if somebody wants to come back and reassemble it, that would be great. But he was the one signing all the documents to legitimize laundered money in Arkansas that came from the cocaine trade through the 70s and 80s. The stock model. Yeah, you're, you're right. So, it's, it's both... It's both launder money and and the direct infusion of drugs Correct. in the United States. It was one of the uh, the made like uh, made man gateways, the Mina Mina Airport in yeah, uh, Mina Arkansas. Airport. And the this is a big nexus. There's a big delta here where where a whole bunch of different groups are converging, probably through all of this money. You've got guys that just want money. You've got ideologically motivated people. You probably have foreign states in and out, um, you know, because I think a lot of times these these groups, um, you know, they, they they they're beholden to whoever gives them sustenance at any given moment. So uh, if we go down to Colombia, FARC, uh, they needed their drug trade because they were essentially funding themselves and they were reliant on the cocaine trade to keep their operations going. And when, when that began to dry up, uh, they, they ran out of gas and they need a new sponsor. And so who sponsors these groups like Weather Underground, BLM, and Antifa? Well, it certainly seems to be this George Soros and Lord Brown. Uh, I, Lord, Lord Brown, uh, I can't remember his whole name, but he's, he's big up in, in the U.K., uh, he's, I think, an advisor to the Queen. He's been an ambassador. He does a lot of stuff in Georgia, south of Setia. Hold on. I'll actually... The UK's, U, UK's been a fucking problem since, you know, before the revolution. You know, in the future, we should get, like, some sort of messenger app between us so we could pass documents while we talk. Because I've got an article with him in it. I'm just looking it up right now. Moloch. Yeah. Mark Mullock Brown, or well, I don't know if that's just his his nickname, nom de guard with this uh <clears throat> let's see. 
Well, the, the, the UK, they basically have a, you know, a pseudo monarch uh, where it's like the, uh, the high, the high families with different titles, you know, they're nobility titles and they basically act in they're, they're, they're approximately like, they're like advisory roles in politics and economics. And that would include your barons. So like your, I mean, Rothschilds are in there. Um, Baron Rothschild IV, that'd be Jacob Rothschild. There's, you know, there's lots of barons. There's uh, um, uh, Rothermere. Rothermere is a big one. Uh, Rothermere is a current, he, Rothermere family owns the, uh, the Daily Mail. They're big on um, media. Yeah. And they're also, they're also, uh, they were involved with the Third Reich too, from, from the British angle. In terms of aren't they uh, a part of uh, Reuters too? Uh, Reuters is directly Rothschild. Okay, and and Rothermere is uh, a lot more insignificant than Rothschild. Like there's really there's really nothing comparison. Yeah, okay. There's really no comparison to Rothschild. But just to give an idea of how corrupt the how you know the houses are, they're just they're just involved in all kinds of. I mean, they're, they're not only involved in despicable stuff now. It's a track record that goes back to, you know, I mean, before the, you know, all, since the Cromwell Revolution. I mean, I'm sure before that, but in terms of, uh, you know, the technology of the way, you know, efficient technology of recording history, it goes back a long time. Here, I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs in this article from 2008 regarding, uh, it's, it's titled, uh, Mark Brown, the Empire Coup Man in Georgia. And that's the Georgia out in, uh, you know, out in the Caucasus region of the world. All right. Uh-huh. And uh, it goes, Mark, uh, Lord Malik Brown has been in the business of overthrowing governments since 1986 when he left the London Economist for the international section of an aggressive political consulting firm in the U.S. called Sawyer Miller. And from there, he advised the presidential campaign of Aquino in the Philippines. He stuck with Aquino through the overthrow of the president, Ferdinand Marcos, in 1986. And this guy, these guys all run money. That's what they do. They fund color revolutions. They overthrow governments. And it seems to me, just, just shoot for the hip here, I'm just some Joe Schmo out in... Out, out here in the in the sticks, I think that these guys have upped their game and they've got enough capital to where they're able to start targeting the United States. And this place is absolutely ripe for res- revolution, considering the socioeconomic tension since 2008 and really before that and all throughout. But that combined with the racial division. And then there's also the bankers themselves when they saw the Occupy Wall Street movement they needed to run a Tower of Babel play on them. And that means, well, how do we divide this group of people? Let's, let's racially polarize them. So since if you watch entertainment and media and you were to just take a ice core of it all, look at the tension that built after the Occupy Wall Street movement. That's what eventually brought us to where we are now, where we're having to worry about gender pronouns racism when nobody's done anything racist it's just perceived and they're trying to make everybody hypersensitive to where no one can cooperate towards anything gainful and that you have to remember right now 
we are we have the most racism ever in history. I how is this possible? You know, these are you funny exactly what you're bringing up, but these are things that make me laugh and chuckle because if you look at the diversity in Hollywood, uh, what the you know the average uh, youth consumes on media uh, products, this and that. There's there's no way we are the most well, racist, actually, and you know, just like you were saying, they're trying to. I want to throw one, one other thought in there that we've actually gone back to being racist, except now it's pointed at all the white people. <laughs> we're the we're the demon. It's opposite. And, oh, and, exactly. Uh, it's sort of. Sort of like, well, we're the real uncooperative group. We have the full, we have a lot of linguistic uh, memory where our parents and grandparents are able to successfully interact with rising generations and it presents a sophisticated behavioral profile that they want to suppress. And that's why. But you also have to real. You also have to realize they keep on making the comment, rich old white men who've been in sure. politics for their whole life, but they focus but it on, goes down you know, to the, the regular guy too. Throughout so like white splaining or right. a whole bunch of different colloquialisms now uh, allow someone to objectify. And it's sort of like a pressure release valve. Have you pissed off? Has your day sucked? We'll blame this guy. And it's the classic situation where they're just leaving a place for that lightning of rage to ground to. And that's what the entertainment business you know, does. Yep. What, what you're talking about is uh, it's really bringing something to the forefront of my mind. So I was looking at, I was reading a, uh, there's actually a, a wiki article of it. So if you go to the uh, first bank, uh, I don't know if, I think if I go on my phone, I think it's going to kick me. The 70 have. Uh, uh, it shouldn't now, kick you. Okay. It shouldn't I'm going to see if I can pull this up. The other day, um, As long as you don't try it to play just, YouTube, did it just you kick me? Kicked. <laughs> could could you hear no, me? No, no, no. You're fine. You're still here. I heard something like, suddenly like uh, inhaling from a vape pen, but nothing. Could else. you hear? Could you hear me then? Yeah. I okay. So it's kicking out. me. Hang on. Wait. I can do uh, another tab here. Okay. Test. 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 Okay. Sweet. Yep. yep we're still. I'm here. going to. Uh, I'm going to go to uh, Wikipedia. Um, this had a quote in there. And uh, it's to me, it's really relevant. Um, it's for the First Bank of the United States. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, uh, the First Bank is something that got signed. It's the first uh, central bank that the United States had that was signed into law by George Washington. Um, I believe it's 1797. Let me look at this. 1791. Okay, so I'm going to pull yep. this uh, wiki article up about it. Bah, bah, bah. Okay, so First Bank of the United States, uh, if you go, holy shit, I just got some please give me all your money advertisement there. Oh, yeah, wow, I got that too. Okay, so if you, go to, if you go down to the opposition, this is really, really good. So this is, uh, this is Thomas Jefferson. So if you're not... If you're not aware of this, so what what happened essentially, like with with the formation of the United States when we when we fight the Revolutionary War, and when the British kind of like uh, give up on it, and they say, "Ah, eh, this is not worth it," and then they quit. What ends up happening is, through international money, 
the Brits tried to trade through Canada to undermine the United States. And then they tried to put in a central bank in the United States, uh, really just it, really prior to this, they, they start to uh, apply for the charter. And then George Washington signs it uh, like under duress, like under extreme reservation, but gets manipulated into it by the Congress because of their personal interests. And so Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson wrote this, and he's talking about, you know, Hamilton, who's considered in some views to be a founding father. But uh, so this is, this is Thomas Jefferson quote, or this is correction. This is, yeah, this is Thomas Jefferson's uh, quote here. Hamilton's financial system had then passed. It had two objectives. First, like a puzzle to exclude popular understanding and inquiry. Second, as a machine for the corruption of the legislature, for he avowed the opinion that man could uh, man could be governed by one of two motives only, force or interest. Force, he observed, in this country was out of the question, and the interest, therefore, of the members must be laid hold of. To keep the legislative, the legislative in union, unison with the executive, and with grief and shame, it must be acknowledged that his machine was not without effect. That even in this, the birth of our government, some members were found sordid enough to bend their duty to their interests and to look out to personal rather than the public good. It is well known that during the war, the greatest difficulty that we encountered was the want of money or means to pay our soldiers who fought or our farmers, manufacturers, and merchants who furnished the, ne the necessary supplies of food and clothing for them. After the expedient of paper money had exhausted itself, certificates of debt were given to the individual creditors with an assurance of payment so soon as the United States should be able to do so. But the distresses of the people often ob obliged them to part with these for the half, the fifth, and even the tenth of their value. And speculators had made a trade of causing them from the holders by the most fraudulent practices and persuasions that they would never be paid. In the bill for funding and paying these, Hamilton made no difference between the original holders and the fraudulent purchases of these papers. Uh, so that's like, it's, it just reminds me of uh, how it's the same game, same game, different century, you know? Yep. And that was put, I mean, that was his own quote. And that was all the way from back then. And it, I mean, that's it shows of, you where we are here after all those years of everything piling up. That's out of the truly really have ended up. Yeah. They've already owned That's it. how old it is. And, and you know, like a lot of history really tries to cover up that the War of 1812 is really about, you know, it's really about the, the expiration of the central bank. So the central bank, the first bank of the United States expires. They let it expire because they don't want it. And that's not good enough. And then so you get the British burning down the White House and fighting another war. And then they get the second, the second bank. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing new. Nothing new under the sun. No, it's just uh, the same old play. Well, yeah, I wonder centuries in different if countries. we could ever find a way to holistically educate people as to the implications of these banking systems and their effects, we might immunize a generation or two. And really, you know, if we ever have to like put up a new founding document or anything like that, we ought 
remind ourselves to be more explicit about the banking requirements for a new state. Like you, you hear about this potential secessionist movement with Texas and the other states. And, you know, yeah. some of some people may have no faith in our elected officials. But what's very interesting is, is that the circumstances have arrived that this this fraud, this this vote stealing has been so obvious as to awaken a large amount of the population to the point where, you know, you, everybody likes the Constitution, but I mean, it doesn't really mean a whole hell of a lot if it doesn't actually uh, exist. If it does, if it isn't obeyed, right? Now, Sigma, you say the, a lot more people are aware and awakened by this. But at the same time, I've talked to people on the street, and they're not even aware oh, of the, the, the different people on the street that are working against. at any given moment. They're pretty, but I, I'm talking more or less the, the folks that have families that sit around on Facebook and talk. I I, I get on Facebook and I, I talk to my family and and friends, and I I uh, I uh, you see what gets around. Yeah, and, and I noticed that all the professionals yeah, and that... older people that have enough time, they've they have switched on, and they understand that. And and anyone that's involved in politics, I'm 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 uh, clicked in with the Republican Party in my area. I know the chairman. I know the congressional can, dis, candidate for the district. I know I would know if she had, if, if that person had won. You know, uh, you know, I would know the congressman, but. The these people are all aware that not only uh, privately, they're just like, well, COVID's a bunch of bullshit. We really can't say anything. And, you know, these law at this point, though, the real breaking point is the fact that this voting fraud, because this is presses home. All these people that work, all these people that get involved in this system, that put their time and toil into this, having some faith that it's not that it's not meaningless. They're now aware of it. It's very, very, it's very pleasing to me because I always kind of cynically wondered to myself, well, I'm under how many of these people are in on the game. And it seems to me many of them are not. They are now quite aware that this thing is rigged to the core. And we're at a potentially special moment here. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see the United States dissolve, but perhaps the dialogue that may soon begin will be one that'll allow us to say things about how banking is run, maybe make some cultural points. And I mean, the big, big players have already put their foot in a lot of places for leverage. They're, you know, they've got everybody worried about transgendered persons. And, you know, I, and I, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but I actually talked to one woman that was doing her PhD dissertation in the suicide rates of post-op male to female transgendered people. And I asked her, so have you ever looked at pictures of the uh, procedure? Have you ever looked at the outcomes of the procedure? And she says, no. So a lot of these people are ignorant, even if they've got a degree. That's another huge thing people need to take into account. We're, we're, we're being run by people that have degrees that spent a great deal of money and time, and they, it better mean something to them. And but they're actually in a con, and they've invested. And they've never, they've never even looked at a dick pussy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I would call it, I would call it a violation of the Hippocratic oath. And uh, 
Oh, yeah, stop. dick pussy, but I mean, really, sixty percent of those people are killing themselves within five years. Well, that's so the interesting. Sorry, I dropped off for a second. Uh, a lot of people have their children. I know men. I know more than two that have children that want to be the opposite gender. It's well, it's becoming very prevalent inside the so cities. You're saying that so the um, um, percentage of, uh, of suicide is literally almost exactly the same, even post op. Right. Oh, post-op it is because you, these people are the, like what I, I, the biggest argument I make to them is like, this is violation of the Hippocratic Oath. There's so many things, but let's just, let's walk away from that one tangent. There are so many things that are like, if you were at an airplane, right, you would have alarm bells going off, like transgendered people, violation of the Hippocratic Oath, that light would be blinking. Election fraud light would be blinking. Uh, rioters in the streets would be blinking. Foreign infiltrators would be blinking. Um, it, it, all things lit up, okay? And in order to put it all back together, you have to go to the source. What's one of the destabilizing sources? International money power. That right there is, is definitely a problem. Mm -hmm. And it, we need to have probably... If it's the we, only problem. If, if we had decent elected officials... They would need to have a set of hearings on just the implications of certain financial uh, actors like the World Economic Forum and what they've planned for us. And, and this fraud, this, this COVID um, mess, it's like, it's like, like you're watching a gigantic psyop on display outside. Now, is there some sort of virus uh, coronavirus, yes, it's it's one of the it's one of the common colds. Okay, you have rhinovirus, coronavirus, and is this thing lethal? It seems like it isn't. There's plenty of statistics that, like, I've got a CDC. If we had a something to link with, I've got CDC documents that show. They actually they censored the CDC when the know, CDC it, came out with their uh, their findings. I know, and, and they were and censoring. That's them on one Facebook of the interesting things. Else. So you can ridiculous. see these organs, okay? These these bureaucratic systems that are set up that operate off of of finely machined data. They're fighting against the wind. The wind is being blown by this money power. Okay, these are the guys rigging and paying off the media. And that's what's created. And then the city uh, governments, which are easily influenced, uh, they are the ones enforcing the draconian. Like right now, I, I walked into a restaurant today. I had lost my wallet uh, two days ago. Okay. And I don't have my ID on me. A restaurant refused yeah, okay. to serve me, even though I didn't want a, a alcoholic beverage. I had to provide an ID. And and I, it, wow. and it, they're they're all terrified that they're going to lose their jobs because the city is going to find their business. And 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 people are running around very scared. Yeah. And so and in, in your, you mentioned something just out of curiosity. Mm -hmm. So, you mentioned if we had had if we had, um, you know, decent elected officials. Are you of the belief that if we had decent elected officials that it would even interrupt the, um, you know, check engine light. The, the I, I think red. that the, the check engine light, I mean, this is, this is the thing. I think that, I think that every single person out there is sort of like an Island. All right. 
and the, there are cliques out there that are they're they're very much like the mafia. They they're loyalty and honor based systems. Okay, and then I don't mean honor as in these are honorable people, but honor to the group. Okay, they're very similar to the Cosa Nostra or the organized the mafia would be a great example. Okay, a man of honor. Okay, uh, and and these people are rated by their Loyalty, and then you can see them during these elections. They they line up and they march in formation. If there is a lie that needs to be pushed, they absolutely don't break ranks. It's a huge thing for for any of these guys to break ranks, and this is one of the yeah. problems. I remember now, the feeling. I'm, that I'm sorry, I, got. I broke up. Uh, we don't. One of the founders, I can't remember which, he was very opposed to political parties because I think he knew this was going to happen. And, and, you know, I know I'm rambling on. I, I think this is a little out of focus. But, you know, I, I do believe we've elected subpar intellects and people that are very short-sighted and selfish. And we're about to reap it. One thing I just want to just ramble off a quote right quick. And I don't think people truly know how to take this quote. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. And I'm seeing it with the international banking, with the corruption in politics. And I love the media, but we no longer have a honest media. We have no platform other than here and other platforms where they're starting to censor us uh, to be able to get out this information. There needs to be, and I don't want to say revolution in the sense of violence, there, but there needs there to be something revolutionary. It's no revolution. That we happens. don't need a revolution. What we we need, need to have is liberation. That's what we need. And unfortunately, I have to say, I have to say that uh, you know the situation that we're in is much, much worse than we're letting on here. In terms of, uh, yeah. you know, I, I understand uh, people's perspectives and. Uh, uh, their preferences for certain types of ideas and ideologies. The fact of the matter is that anything that we do at all in terms of uh, foreign political parties, in terms of uh, reorganizing society, it all, all of it, no matter what, it, it, it means nothing. If the, the way that you trade comes out of thin air, like if you, if you put your work into a labor and use your hands, and then you're getting that the, the representation of that and the fiat currency comes from overseas and is not overseen by the people, then there is no one-for-one -one representation of value. It's however many they want to print, however many they want to produce, whether it's digital or physical. And this is the entire the entire source of all of this. All of this extraneous bullshit nonsense that is so confusing entirely comes back when you trace it. Why there, why there are so many um, instances that just don't make any sense and are counter logical in terms of like, why would somebody even want to do this? Why would somebody be that bad? Why would somebody, you know, act this way and be that evil? You know, when we, when we prescribe the, the identity of evil. Why would somebody go on the side of the highway and give tuggies to truckers on I-7? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Until 
you realize that they're doing it for money. And then you go, okay, I think I see what's going on here. This is the, this is the entire basis of all of this. And no matter, no matter what is done in the United States, the, the, the reason that I wanted to bring up that quote with Thomas Jefferson is to show that the United States in its um, grand conception of being a place where the government serves the people and is at the, is at the pleasure of the people in order to maintain liberty, that period was a very short time. And the quote from Thomas Jefferson provides all the evidence that you need for that. And so it's, it's a good quote because if you're a person that takes stake in the founders in terms of respect and uh, like the identity of uh, patriotism and uh, Americanism, then it's plain to see that, you know, this is shit that they've been fucking dealing with since day one, you know, and by now it's just completely out of control. And the, the money system that they're talking about is an international money system that's been around and been the subject of the ruin of Rome and Greece. I, you know, I would, I would is... point one thing out that, that the past hasn't had to deal with. And that would be the um, fact that we, uh, we have an ethnically divided country now. And culturally and ethnically, those divisions, if given fuel, become very pronounced quickly. And we had a moment here, uh, like 20 years ago, I think that race relations were pretty normalized. We were pretty, I hate using that word normalized. I always think of it in the sort of the, you know, uh, demoralization context, like Yuri Bezmenov. But, um, you know, things were very copacetic. I mean, we knew black people had a tendency to break the law more, but there were some decent ones. And we all just kind of agreed, hey, stay out of their part of town because sometimes they're just absolutely buck wild. But now... We've had Susan Rosenberg and her ilk have basically used their psychological insight into this group to raise them to violence, to where they're riot constantly. And uh, with little provocation, like, for instance, there's some of them are protesting uh, this, this guy that's been executed who burned a couple inside of the trunk of a car after doing terrible things to them. And no one should shed a tear for that man being killed and put to death. Okay. He's had his day in court and he's been put down. There should be no, no justification, no justified outrage for that. Floyd. I mean, I guess if you thought the police absolutely did kill him extrajudicially by leaning on his neck until he was dead. Yes. You have some grievance there, but no one investigated or looked at it or gave it even the moment. Of, of, of inspection so everyone has begun to stop thinking and if we all did have a, the same culture and generally the same appearance and I, I know that's very simplistic we would have the ability to kind of get along quicker our, our divisions would heal faster now it's going to be racially polarized from now until I don't know, whenever somebody takes Hollywood and uses it the way it should be used, which is to bridge divisions, like to build uplifting art that serves the purpose to bring people together, which it hasn't been. It's all been purposed, when I say Hollywood, I mean YouTube, all of the different media outlets, music, all of these people have been radicalized and have been... Hmm? Sigma... 
Uh, there was a movie yeah, uh, in the 90s with Warren Beatty called Bullworth. And I absolutely loved it. It was a politician that wanted to kill himself, and he ended up going to the other side of the tracks. And um, he, he was looking for any way to die. Then he found a new new lease on life, and he came out on national television, and he said, yeah. why don't we all just fuck to wear the same color? That we well, it was an overly issues. simplistic I, th- I always thing, found that you know. Hilarious. Hey Dugan, are you are you cooking? No, I'm sorry, I'm sweeping up a mess. I didn't know it was that loud. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, I, <laughs> no, my bad. The reason I, I've, you know, asked my earlier question, and I completely agree with what Dugan is saying, is that um, there's something, you know, before before you really wake up, you know, the proverbial you, right? Um, there's some type of, you know, power and authority and, you know, respect and honor that we put in, in politicians. And over the last two decades, that's changed a lot. But, you know, I, I remember thinking like, you know, this president has to change. This party has to change. These people have to change these, you know. And then the moment that I heard Dugan say it does not matter, like there is absolutely nothing that can stop this mass that is moving forward and, and, you know, taking us to the place that we know it's all going. And I got chills. I mean, that shit's terrifying there. This is over a hundred years, well over a hundred years of, of this train, this mass that is moving at fucking light speed and it will plow down anything that gets in its way. Anything. Anything in its way, dark. It's not a it's not hundreds of years. This this is what we're dealing with. Make no mistake at all. What we're dealing with yeah, is why the Greeks are gone. That is why the Greeks are no longer around. There, this is why this is why the Romans are gone. This is why you don't you're not trading in Roman coins, even though even though Rome has the most issuances of uh, specie coin with the most emperors. Out of like any society, they're like a dime a dozen. They're not worth anything. This is why, you know, Germany was number one, and now they're gone. It's all, it's all the same thing, and it's. I guess I can put those. It's entirely based on money. Iraqi dinar, then. And if you, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them, some of them are probably have some uh, collector value, the more rare ones, but it's not. Uh, you know they're worth they're worth literally what they are. They're not worth the um, circulation value of whatever the world's greatest reserve currency is at any given decade or year. And there's there's a reason for that, and the reason is that it has to move around because if it doesn't move around, then it stagnates. And then if it stagnates, that means you can't pull value of it. Now, where does the value come from? The value comes from anyone and everyone that participates in it. And it's, it's a, it is not one for one. It is always a scam. It is always a shell game. And that's what, uh, that's what humanity has stubbornly refused to identify because of the, the illusion of need of money and the immediacy. You know, because at any given time, just like you're listening 
Yeah. Using money. There we go. Yeah, yeah, all your bills again. to pay. We haven't had a period without that. There we, we go. Now? I hear you again. Yep. Okay. Well, just like just like you're listening to this podcast right now, and you're saying, "I could never stop using money. I have bills to pay. I've got gasoline to buy. I've got heat to keep on." These things that you're saying to yourself had different terms for all of history. Like this is this is at least in terms of recorded history when people were um, associated and traded enough to use a standardized reserve currency as a representation for energy in trade. They all had the same reserves, uh, reservations about, you know, being uncomfortable with the idea of like, there is a serious problem here with uh, money. It really brings up a lot of bad feelings because it is so something that is so intertwined and uh, cleaved into our existence in the way that we live day to day that it seems impossible to break away from. And this is, this is precisely exactly the center of everything. All of the world's problems are, are entirely centered around this. And the, the pri- it, has, it has two tiers of uh, manifestation of how it's a problem. The first one, the first, the first problem is that um, the money, the money, in order for it to exist the way that it is, it's always, it's always a debt. And so, when you create, or a pound, or whatever it is. All right, we lost you again, it, Dugan. You know, yeah, when, got- if you, if I break it down simply. Once the pound is lost, you yes, have me now? You said when you create a dollar. Hello. 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 Okay. Okay. Figured out where I have to stand now for reception. Sorry about that. Okay. When you create a dollar or a pound or any type of currency, it always exists versus its debt. So its debt is its opposite, and that is necessitated as soon as it gets issued into circulation. And so there is a debt unit that is exactly like the unit that you spend that has to play musical chairs with the population and it must be satisfied somewhere. And so there is no, there is no instance where it can't be satisfied. Now we contrast that with what work is, what actual work is like labor that, which is the actual thing that you're buying with or using the, the, the dollar or the pound or whatever to represent. That is something that, you have the pleasure of making from nothing, meaning that you choose to go outside and walk the distance to go pick an apple. And if you didn't, then that wouldn't be there, right? Even though the apple would be there, it would fall to the ground and it would decay and then no one would be able to enjoy it or capitalize off it, in other words. That is the difference between currency, fiat currency money, and actuality, which is not bridged in the technology of money as the primary problem. The second problem of money, which is not understood and not satisfied by the technology of money, is that all money throughout all of history has the same pattern. It has a period of uh, introduction where you have approximately a one-for-one reserve, meaning that there's some type of physical good or material that is a unit directly exchangeable for a unit of the currency, whether that be an ounce of gold, whether that be a certain amount of iron, 
whether that be, you know, whatever physical good, a bushel or grain, whatever. It has a one-for-one relation that exists for a very short time in order to establish its uh, circulation and confidence in the population. Then what happens very shortly within a generation or two, you start to get it changed out to where whatever the currency was, in our case, we have the dollar. Well, the dollar started out, believe it or not, it started out 100% fiat. That would be colonial script, right? Like Revolutionary War script. And the reason that worked is because of the lack of international trade. So because the confidence of the citizenry, like the group that is exchanging it, understands and knows that it is a one-for-one exchange with labor. And so real value can be pulled out of it. Because of that, during that time, it works. As soon as the United States begins to do international trade, now you take on all of the liability and all of the... uh, the, the incongruities of international markets where they're already playing this money game, you take that all on because as soon as it comes in with trade through your nation, when they start externally trading, your, your economy now hemorrhages and, and bears the consequence of the international money system. And uh, it's like opening a, a, it's like mixing liquids or something, you know, like it's not, it's not something that you can avoid by just hoping that it isn't going to affect you. As soon as you start the trade, it automatically exists. What do I mean by that? It means, it means that when you work for a dollar for an hour or whatever, $10, let's say somebody's working for $10 an hour. Okay. Simple example. Well, they come to the agreement with the um, employer that they agree and volunteer to and are, completely copacetic with volunteering their time for one hour to do any amount of work that they deem that they deem uh, appropriate in exchange for $10. And so they, they do that when they get paid their $10 for their hour of work, then they go to spend it. What they think is that their $10 they have in their pocket is $10. It's 10 units. It's the same as when they agreed to do this work. What, you know, the, the, the understanding of equilibrium of like what this, what the dollar's worth in their mind. Like, what can you buy for a dollar? They have all that in their head and they're like, this is worth it. I'll do that work. Right. And so they exchange and that, and the reason that value is established in the first place is because of the precedent of uh, acceptance and uh, standardization of the currency. But what's really happening. And this is true throughout all of time is that when they walk in the store to buy the candy bar, or whatever they're getting, whatever they're buying, whether they're buying gas, from the moment that they put uh, the paycheck into their billfold and then walk to go get the gas and then pull out their billfold and pull out the cash and give it to their cash register, the dollar is just draining out of their pocket. And what they actually spend isn't really what they agreed to give their labor for. But because the degradation is so slow and so widely dispersed, it's, it's difficult to detect. It's dispersed among anybody that's participating in exchange with this international monetary system and trade network that's very old. And so the, the source of stress and the source of corruption and the source of uh, the sense of injustice is real, but it's impossible to find 
because it's dispersed through this thing that everybody thinks that they need. And so what's really happening is that somebody that has the authority to issue your money has found all sorts of schemes and ways that are very old to print $2 for your hour of work. And they keep one and you get one. Now, when you go into that store and you're trying to buy a candy bar for a dollar, it may be worth a dollar right now. But when that guy that's printing $2 for your $1, when he does 500 million of those extra dollars and he has other people that have their own jobs going around buying up candy bars, right? And they're buying 500 million candy bars to your one candy bar for the dollar that you work for. The, the economy absorbs that reality and it can't be, it's not, it's not rationalized by, you know, a person um, uh, just identifying this candy bar is worth more than a dollar. It's rationalized by mathematics, by economics, supply and demand. When they see that there is more, there, there is a greater sale of the candy bar than was originally, you know, planned for in the production of the candy bar. It automatically balances itself out, just like just like a water level balances itself out with gravity. It's no different with economics, and so you can never have a sound system if you are having superfluous units being produced that are supposed to represent a one-for-one -one unit, which is how all people always rationalize economics and spending, like in terms of your planning, like you 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 plan to pay your bills because you have the foundation of the understanding that the dollar is worth a dollar where the injustice and the source of conflict comes in that destroys everything is the reality that the dollar is not a dollar. The dollar is $4, $5, $10,000. And you only got one. Somebody else got 10,000, 9,999 off of your $1 and it's all backed off of your hour of work. You did the work. They just got the extra money. I think but now it's in circulation. Now your savings in drops say in value uh, as the market. So I, I think one thing we should probably say is maybe uh, currency itself difference. isn't a problem, but the speculation and its fluctuating value, something needs to be there to control it in such a way as to the everyday laborer. So for instance, the minimum wage hasn't changed in 30 or 40 years. Okay. The purchasing power of 1970, you, you could work for a summer and buy a vehicle outright without going into debt. One thing we would definitely need to do without doing away with money is to do away with the debt uh, market, the usury and there used to be religious prohibitions against this. Usury is a very quick way to get money for almost nothing. And it, it, it should be regarded as, as criminal, you know, because it, it once was. For reason, I think. It, it, what any, any, any ideological, um, you know, plan about this doesn't mean shit unless it is it has physical tie downs to a unit so it's just like it's just like if you were doing a science experiment and you're like i'm going to measure out 100 milliliters of this fluid and mix it with 100 milliliters of this other fluid 
well, your experiment's going to go great as long as a milliliter is a milliliter. When somebody's changing the fucking units on your uh, cylinder, now you're putting like 150 milliliters when it should be 100, and that's going to change the results of your experiment. The difference between the analogy and reality is that, like, you know, you can't you can't tell that they've changed it because it's it's it. This is why conflict arises. Like, this is why this is why the entire thing happens because the unit is not the unit. You know, like like a like a milliliter is a thousandth of a liter, and a liter is a unit of volume, and it has to do with water, which is something that's constant, and that's why in science it works because the water is not changing with standard atmospheric, you know, conditions. Well, the money doesn't have any basis. So our currency isn't, isn't tied down to anything that's real at all. So there is no limitation on what can be done with it other than what you get pissed off enough about to go start shooting people about, you know, like there is no, it's it, when it got implemented, it was tied to something that was physical, just like a milliliter is tied to, you know, an actual volume of something that you can pick up and look at in your home and be like, this is a motherfucking milliliter of water, you know, like it doesn't change. Somebody could come and put a gallon of water in front of my face and tell me it's a milliliter, but it's not. I know what a milliliter is. The dollar's not like that. The dollar or the pound or whatever has no, I mean, there is no, we've gone from a silver reserve, uh, a gold reserve to a silver reserve to fucking, you know, silicone reserve. I mean, to nothing to where now it's just, digits in the air there is no accountability or overwatch whatsoever and nobody has any no, idea we, what is going on that's why we're on a, on far greater than episode, 20 trillion in but, debt uh, as the United I States. recently read that about 26 and a half percent of all the money that we have ever printed in the history of our country was printed this year what do you think something like that symbolizes Absolute, absolute ruin. Ruin. One thing, one thing I think we can all agree on is if the United States were to become independent on their currency, um, Bill Murray would be on the hundred dollar bill if we became an independent currency again. (laughs) (laughs) I would, I wouldn't go that far, but I get the joke. I do like I do like I, you know, I, I like me some Bill Murray. Bill Murray in Zombieland. I'm not gonna be using them on my dogs, but <laughs> for sure, for sure. Can I ask you guys that's um, fucking great uh, or Ghostbusters? I do Bill Murray Ghostbusters. Oh hell yeah. yeah! I'm in, interested in seeing like what each of you guys um, answer. It's a little off topic though. Or does anyone have anything else to close this out? Yeah, go for it. Cool. No. All right. So, um, anyone? Go ahead. Shoot. Come on. Answer first. Sigma, (laughs) you're the guest, so you can. uh, I'm curious what, uh, personally, you know, with everything going on in our country, in our world, and and you know what we believe the direction is. What specifically keeps you up at night? Uh, I mean, I sleep pretty well at night. (laughs) I think. uh, I think whatever's going to (laughs) happen. I'm pretty. I'm better off than most people. I, I've got nothing bothering me. What about the rest of you guys? Well, 
Well, I'm personally going to say I sleep like a baby at night. Uh, the only thing I tell everybody is when the power goes out and you lose all reception and signal radio contact, that's when I would you, say know, that, you sleep with oh, one I'm eye sorry. open. But until then, do, I'm do, just going to enjoy have anything my to life and keep on prepping. Uh, all right. Well, the one thing that sticks out to me is we've got a catch-22. We've never been more no, comfortable. Say, say what you're going to say. We've never been more entertained. We've really, I don't think we've ever been, you know, generally more healthy if you consider just how long everybody's living. Um, maybe not mentally healthy these days, but, uh, you know, that's the thing. If, if you're going to network with your friends and family, that's, now's the time to do it because the gasoline is still flowing, the power's still on, and, and you could always frame your preparations as, hey, look, you know, it probably won't happen. Say whatever you got to say to retain, you know, you know, because most people just don't want to don't want to think in these terms and just say, hey, look, if the power goes out for longer than a week, we need to meet over at this tree and leave a note saying what time you'll be back and to have just basic planning just to get back together. And maybe 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 get a farmer's almanac, maybe have a, a garden and have the basic understanding of how to begin to take care of yourself from, from scratch. And then. And wear a blue Kim light. Uh, so well, I mean, if, if we want to go into that length of it, sure. <laughs> I think I, so I don't sleep well. I mean, I do sleep. I sleep well when I'm asleep. It's hard to let go enough to sleep. When I do get to sleep, I, I think about every family in the entire world being a kingdom on themselves and having governments that recognize the, author the true authority, not a placation, not a, um, not a you know, scheme of trickery where they're uh, – patronizing them and patronizing the level of respect to an, to an individual and a family merely so that they can get them to voluntarily do their bidding. But a government that, a government that truly recognizes the actual, uh, you know, the actual power and, and uh, special circumstance of, of like a family of, of a family that exists and that is, uh, doesn't need the government, and that only, and that only, uh, you know, placates to the government to exist in order to create a better independence world, and know? sovereignty. And that's like, uh, yeah, but but a a you know, where where instead of the government being a leeching, um, mm -hmm. you know, fuckstick, a parasite, <laughs> uh, parasite. Instead of it being that, where it just has to constantly lie to everyone, and then people just kind of like, you know, like whatever, it's nothing special, but I guess this is just the way we do it. Fuck it. Instead of it being like that, being like the government is truly composed of people that know their limits and understand and understand that like they can't actually fuck with all of these families, and that the families know that at any given time they can fucking secede. You see what I'm saying? Like not just a state. Not just like a municipality, but a family themselves that they can say this is no longer ethical, this is not what I'm on board with, and they can secede. And through that, they can 
influence the direction of uh, government by participation. That's how that's how I see a transition in the future of whatever it could be. And the only way that you could do that is through actualizing the uh, through actualizing the 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 things that you use to live, which are the same things that everyone else uses to live until they discover something different in a technological advancement. And this is actually, this is, this is a perfect way to end because I sent Cliff before this, I sent Cliff some PDFs. They're, they're uh, academic PDFs. They're very information dense and they're based on industrial studies, but they're very thorough and they have lots of great, uh, information on the specific science of breaking down waste plastic, including trash that you find on the street, tires, things of that nature, rubber, breaking them down into hydrocarbons that then you can use as fuel. So these, uh, these are long books. Some of, one of them is 500 pages and it covers everything in industrial pyrolysis of waste plastics, turning them into actual fuels turning them into paraffins. You can make gasoline. You can make diesel. Now, these examples in the books, they're designing them on an industrial scale. You can fully implement this with a shitty, you know, service-grade sewer pipe that's made out of ductile steel, 6, 8, 12 inches, with charcoal, with a fire that you make outside, making your own still to go around and pick up trash in your neighborhood or whatever, and you can distill gasoline, diesel, and wax. And then you can, it is so clean because of the plastic in the first place comes from your, uh, your, your pseudo government. It broke up there. All of your fuels. Or actually broke up that smaller uh, hydrocarbon, hydrocarbon chains. Lost you, uh, you lost me? What you, were... you got me there? Yeah. Yeah. So so all this plastic that you see on the side of the road that pisses you off when you're driving around, you're like, there's a fucking cup. There's a fucking plastic bag, right? All this shit, all the plastic that you throw away, that you're like, damn, I'm throwing away a lot of plastic. You can se- You can separate out of your trash all of your plastic into a barrel. You can save it up. You're going to get approximately for every kilogram, you're going to get like, like an eighth of a liter of your choice of fuel simply by cooking this shit in an oxygen free environment. Meaning that you take a a shitty steel pipe and you weld on or get somebody to weld on a cap with a threaded output and a, a copper line or whatever. And you can, you know, depending on how you do it, you can you can set it up so you control the temperature with a thermometer and you just run off your own gas. Yeah. And it's going to be more pure than the gas, more pure than the gas that you burn, that you buy from the store. The reason being, the plastic that is getting thrown away out in the street is derived from the crude oil. That's where they make it from. And they are taking long hydrocarbon chains, meaning, you know, it's a bunch of carbon with hydrogen around it. They're very long molecularly. And that's what plastics are. When you, when you heat them with no oxygen, you crack the hydrocarbon chain. That's very long. And you make shorter ones that goes all the way into your, your gasolines, kerosene, diesels, etc. 
it really doesn't require a ton of special tooling or anything like that. It can be done on a, you know, virtually, I mean, practically a homeless guy could do it. I mean, this is like very basic shit. These books will give you the exact temperatures for achieving a certain hydrocarbon. And I think it's a very uh, useful, uh, you know, guide, an authoritative guide to give you kind of the, the general science behind it and to find that special fuel that you want so that you can take one little teeny step if you want to just for fun to have your own hobby and make your own fuel and not spend that money. So you can make a clean, you can make a clean refinery at your house because all the dirty work was done in producing those. Exactly. You're getting the premium. You're getting the premium shit and it's, it's, uh, it's not going to have any ethanol in it. It's going to be absolute. It's your choice. You can go, if you want to, you can go all the way down into the teeny little hydrocarbon chains that are like hexane, which are, like illegal, you know, or they're not illegal. You can't buy them in a store, but they're fantastic solvents for, you know, if you want to do chemistry or things like that. All this stuff is worth money. What I'm saying is that it gives you a little bit of power to be able to, uh, you know, just have a little bit more flexibility in, uh, and also take care of your trash, you know. And there's some great business models in there that people could do. It's a great model for what to do during the apocalypse. Hell yeah. I'm taking over the landfill in the apocalypse. That's going to be my kingdom now. <laughs> so I sent those I sent those to Dark. Well, I, mean, I sent those right. to Cliff and uh hopefully I, I hope there's a way that he can uh is there a way that he can make those available on the site? We're looking to uh to start up a free yeah. web page and start being able to put stuff on that web page. Sweet. So I will link these uh, references uh, in the uh, the description of the uh, the podcast, and we will go from there. Um, now I know we're at the end, Mister Sigma. By any chance, do you want to take honors in naming this podcast? You have to. I think my, uh, I think my, my co-pilot, co-pilot is, is a banker. banker is a <laughs> do we lose Sigma? Name. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. So, gentlemen, on that note, this was a wonderful podcast. Thank you, Sigma, for being a part of this. We definitely want to have you on in the future. You've been uh, a wealth of knowledge. And uh, as always, Dark and Dugan, thank you so much. Is there anything (laughs) anybody wants to add before we sign off? Don't cook bacon naked. Great tip. <laughs> All right, on that on that note, everybody have a wonderful night and right, be folks. safe. This Thank will you. be